0: Real people having real problems, and we're going to start at the very beginning. If you got your Bible, turn your Bible. We're going to start, actually, in Genesis chapter 4. And as we're getting ready for all of that, I'm going to go ahead and pray. We're going to pray for this sermon series, because I believe that you we should find encouragement from uh, other people's struggles. When you see in the Scripture, as my wife said, when you see in the Scripture where people actually You know, they weren't perfect. God used lots of people in their imperfection. And, um, you know, it's just one of the many lies of the enemy is, oh, well, you got to be perfect. No, you come to the Lord as you are, and then he starts doing the work in you. You don't come to church, you don't get yourself together and then, okay, now I can come to church and I'm good enough. No, it's just like that song we just sang. You know, without him, I mean, uh, we're not good enough. You know, you can't his grace, you cannot earn it, and we don't deserve it, right? But yet he lavishes it on us. It's amazing. It's, it's, it's a mystery. It's a mystery. I don't know about you, but, like, for me, it's like, my, my, I'm conditional, you know? Like, my, my grace is conditional. Like, if you're doing good, I'm going to hook you up. If you're treating me wrong, then I'm going to cut you off, and as, as are many of us. But yet God's grace and his love is unconditional, meaning you can mess up over and over again, and yet he's still right there ready to pick us back up. I mean, that's just amazing. Just like we were singing Amazing Grace. So Father, we thank you for how awesome and amazing you are, God, and that's why we're here today, God. Thank you for meeting with us in worship, and God, thank you for meeting with us through your word, and God, we believe that, God, that you are going to speak, God, through your word today, and Lord, we just thank you for this opportunity that we have to gather in your name, and it is in the mighty and powerful and awesome name of Jesus we ask. Amen. All right, Genesis chapter (laughs) 4, we're going to look at the first screwed up family in the Bible which was all the way at the beginning. So if you look at your family and you're like, man, our family's a hot mess. Well, guess what? <laughs> get in line because it started with a mess. And there's a lot of people who has, whose families were uh, a hot mess. And so we're going to read in Genesis. We're going to read uh, actually verse 1 through 16. So bear with us as we read the scripture because we've got to get the full context of everything that happened here in Genesis chapter 4. If you're there, say amen. If you're not there, say wait up. Hold up. Okay, everyone's there. All right, Genesis chapter 4. I'm reading in the uh, in the ESV version. It says, now Adam knew Eve his wife. I'm gonna just pause that for a moment. That word no, new, is the same word that you find in the New Testament where it says, God says, I I never knew you. Depart from me, for your works were unauthorized. It's the same, it's the same tense. It's the same word. So so, so it's a it's a deeper level of intimacy. So what, what do we know? What's, what's happening when God. Is, or uh, when Adam is knowing Eve, what's what's happening? Just say intimacy. And everybody was looking at me like, is he going to say sex? Yes, that's what they were doing. <laughs> i are like, I'm on the spot, should I shout out sex in church? Also, <laughs> old fogey. Now Adam knew his wife Eve, and she conceived and bore Cain, saying... I've gotten a man with the help of the Lord. And again, she bore his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of sheep and Cain, a worker of the ground. In the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground. And Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat portion. Say firstborn. Okay, just remember that word right there. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering. Say regard. Another word would be he had favor. He looked on it, you know, like he accepted it. That's what that word means, regard. It's like he looked at it with favor, acceptance. Verse 5, but Cain and his offering, he had no regard. So Cain was very angry and his face fell. And the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? And why has your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door, and its desire is contrary to you, but you must rule over it. But does he rule over it? Let's find out. Verse 11. And now, oops, I skipped a thing. Uh, Not verse, what did I say, verse 11? I'm at verse 8. Cain spoke to his brother Abel, and when they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother Abel and killed him. Ooh. I mean, I'm sure you probably have felt like killing somebody. You know, one of your siblings from time to time. Like, I'm just so mad at you. But he actually went through with it. He was like, I'm done with you. And then finished it off. Verse 9. Then the Lord said to Cain, where is Abel your brother? He said, I don't know. (laughs) I mean, that is is about the excuse of every child. Where's this? Where's that? I don't know. (laughs) Right, kids? And they don't answer. (laughs) Yes, I'm just messing with y'all. I don't know. Am I my brother's keeper? The Lord said, What have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is crying out to me from the ground. And now you are cursed from the ground, which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you work the ground, it shall no longer yield to you its strength. You shall be a fugitive and a wanderer on the earth. Verse 13 Cain said to the Lord, My punishment is greater than I can bear. Behold, you've driven me today away from the ground and from your face. I shall be hidden. And then I shall be a fugitive and a wanderer in the earth. And whoever finds me will kill me. And the Lord said to him, not so. If anyone kills Cain, vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. And the Lord will put a mark on Cain. Oh, excuse me. The Lord put his mark on Cain. Lest any who find him should attack him, then Cain went away from the presence of the Lord and settled in the land of Nod east of Eden. Man, you thought your family had drama? How about that for drama? Look at your neighbor say, "That's drama. Man, that's messed up. So we have Cain here who's the oldest brother, and he has the same job as his father, Adam. Because remember what God told Adam, told him, you know, tend till the ground, sweat of your brow. So he has, so he has the same job as his as his father to tend the ground. And he eventually strikes his brother in the field. Now, interesting. Go to the next for, uh, slide for me. It's real interesting that Cain tends the ground like his father. So he's, so the very place where he works, the very place. Where he's called to bear fruit is the very place he ends up killing his brother. So he's called to work the field, and yet he strikes his brother down in the field. Isn't it interesting that, you know, we can kind of coincide that, you know what I mean? Like the body of Christ, we're called to build each other. It's, called, it's where we're called to bear fruit. It's where we're called to love one another. Yet it can be the place where we strike down our own brother, Right? Gossip, slander, tearing them down their name. And so we see this here where Abel, the youngest brother, and uh, it's his responsibility to take care of the livestock. And so uh, scripture says that they're both about to bring an offering to the Lord. They're bringing their offering, and, uh, and it says that one was looked with favor, and one was not. Or one was accepted, and one was was not. One was regarded and one was not. Another translation would say respected and one was not. Now, why would God look at a gift or an offering with disrespect? Why would he do that? There's only actually one reason why God would take something that you'd give him and and call, and call it unfavorable or no regard to it or no respect. Does anybody know what that might be? I'm giving y'all a chance to, to help me in my message here. Okay, it wasn't the best. That's a clue. Yeah, absolutely. What's that? Wasn't worthy. Didn't obey the command. Now, there's some, there's some verses here that actually, uh, we're not going to go back to it, but I'm going to just share, that actually kind of bring some, that describe what kind of gift it was. Now, it, when we uh, look in Scripture, it said that Abel's gift was, remember remember, I said I had us all say it together, it was his firstborn, right? So it was his best. And then uh, one translation would say that Cain actually only brought some uses that word some, and it says that in the NIV and the NLT. Some of his works of the ground. And it doesn't even say it was his best fruit. It doesn't say it was his first fruit. It didn't say it was his best. It just says some. So why would you come before the Lord half-heartedly? Well, the only reason you would come before the Lord half, would you give the Lord a half-hearted offering is if you have a half-hearted attitude towards the Lord. And how many of us know that it isn't about the amount of what is given to the Lord. It's about the attitude of the heart, correct? Do you know that? Do you guys know that? So Cain becomes angry because his brother's uh, offering is looked upon with favor, it's looked upon with respect, it's looked upon with regard, and his is not. And then we see where God sees that he has this anger and this intention to to uh, tear down his brother. And what, is, and what does God do in his great mercy and in his great awesome uh, um, grace towards, uh, towards Cain? What does he say? He gives them a warning. And what does he tell him? He says, uh, first, well, first off, he says this. Okay, check this out. I want to just read this one verse back to you. It says this. The Lord said to Cain, why are you angry and why has your face fallen? If you do well, will not yours be accepted. Why would he say that? Do you know that God brings, when he brings a correction to us, or if, or if God, if there's something where there's something, there's usually a reason, there's a teachable moment there. So when we're looking in scripture, the scripture is actually showing us that actually Cain was a man that had a really bad attitude. Will you not do what's accepted? Well, what does that mean? What, what was it that he wasn't doing well? We don't know doesn't really explain that. But why would God, be, God, why would God be addressing his attitude unless he had an attitude problem? Look at your neighbor say, attitude problem. It says this, and if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is to have you. You must rule over it. Another translation would say that you must master it. You must master that thing that wants to have you. So Cain is angry. He murders his brother, even though God specifically gave him a warning. And so we see this happen, friends. Cain actually becomes the first (laughs) supervillain, I guess you'd say. He becomes the first villain in the scripture. He's the first bad guy, right? How many of us like good movies? No one in here likes good movies. Anyone like good superhero movies? There's always a superhero and there's a super... Villain. Oh my gosh, I'm with the wrong crew here. Anybody watch DC, Marvel? Yeah? Okay, there's three people in here. The rest of you, what do you guys watch? Fox News, CNN, what are you... the debates. Yeah, and everybody laughs. So we see in scripture, we have the very first villain. Now, I don't know about you, but For me, if a story is told about me, when you're a kid, there's, there's not many kids that want to play. I mean, you do sometimes when you want to, but you want to be the superhero, right? Everyone wants to be the superhero of their own story. Correct? Say yes. Yes. If you're telling a story to somebody and, uh, and it's a, it's a truthful story, you're going to give your perspective of you being right and someone else being wrong. Right? Say yes. Why? Because you are the hero of your own story. I don't, you, no one tells a story and say, you know what, this person was so good and I was so mad at them and I did them dirty. And I, nobody tells their point of view of them doing wrong. Usually we tell our story of us doing right and us being done wrong, correct? Because deep inside of us, we want to be the hero of our own story. And so when we tell a story, we're the good guy. We're the victim. We're, this is just how we are, Right? The problem is, is that there's sin that's crouching at the door. And instead of us actually being the hero of our story, if we give in to our sin, we can find ourselves becoming the villain of our own story. Oh, there we go. You can say amen right there. Oof. One commentator says that Cain murders out of hatred towards God, but directs it at his brother. Why? He was angry that the Lord didn't accept his gift. Again, why would God not accept? The only reason God would not accept something is if it was done half-heartedly, if it was done without right motives. And so that would be the only reason is God, he's a, he's a just God, right? He, the, the only reason he would reject something is if, if it was done out of wrong motives. What's kind of cool is, is when um, they have these kind of new movies that are coming out, they're basically like movies about a villain. Like we have, um, let's see, what are some of them? Um, like like the Joker movie that came out, that was one. Um, you have, what's the other one? Um, Venom was another one. So like they have like all of these movies that are about like the villain. And what happens is when you see the backstory of the villain, did they they usually didn't start off bad. They usually started off good. They started off fine. And then usually something happened that, where you had something happen where then they turned and changed into this villain. Correct. And so that's exactly, that's what happened with Cain, right? Cain didn't start off evil. He wasn't, didn't have evil intent, but he allowed that thing. He gave into that, that sin that was in his heart. And then he did one of the most horrific things. He killed his own brother. And so again, verse three and four, You know, I said it it talks about some of the fruits and the firstborn. So that's why the scripture tells us, it says that we are to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, with all of our mind, with all of our soul, with all of our strength. And the scripture, uh, it, it talks about how in Hebrews chapter 11, verse four. Is that the next verse? Yeah, it's up there. Cool. It says this, it says, by faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain. Through which he was commended as righteous, God commended him by accepting his gift and through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. So he's basically saying that, that uh, Abel, his gift that he gave was with a pure heart and right motives. Right? And so... That is, that is the main thing, is that when we're coming before the Lord, friends, that we're coming with right heart and right motives. And then uh, Jesus calls Abel the first martyr in Matthew chapter 23, verse 33 through 36. I'm just not going to read that for a, for a sake of time, but he's basically rebuking the Pharisees, and he's, and he's calling uh, Abel's blood righteous, the righteous blood of Abel. And, and he's talking to the Pharisees. Now, the thing is, this is the thing. Friends, the Pharisees were were people who they knew the book of the law. They studied the book of the law all of their life. And, uh, and they thought they were in right standing with God, but yet for some reason their hearts were hardened and they actually, the scripture says that, uh, we in, and, and this, he's bringing uh, a, a rebuke to him and he's calling them brood of vipers because their actions were, you know, okay, we're righteous on the outside, but on the inside, we're treating people like crap. We're looking down at people thinking that we're better than them. We're, uh, we're judging them and criticizing them and, and manipulating them and, 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 and all about their selfish ambition and all about uh, looking good on the outside, friends. And when that becomes a part of who we are, that we want to look good on the outside, and, and we're more concerned about what people think of us than us actually how we look before the Lord, then, friends, that is a scary place to be in because that's being a Pharisee. That's having a religious spirit. You guys still with me? Abel understood sacrifice and being in right standing and with his attitude and with his actions. And so they were pleasing to God. And so, friends, we need to ask ourselves, is our attitude and our actions pleasing to God? Matthew chapter 15, and this is, this is, this is the, the, the cluncher right here. Matthew chapter 15, verse 8 through 9 explains it. And this is, this is, this is the reason Abel and, and Cain, this will, will sum up the sacrifice. It says, these people honor me with their lips, but their heart, say heart. Heart is far from me. In vain they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. So you have people that only honor God with what they say, and they're not honoring God with what they do. And they're not honoring God with what they live. And so when we just honor him with our mouth, the Lord says that that's vain worship. Ooh. So take let's go back to Cain and Abel. Whose gift, whose sacrifice was in vain? Cain's was because it was just it was the exact same as him just giving lip service and then he got angry when God didn't accept it. Who? Friends, we got to be real careful that we're not just giving the Lord lip service. And it's real easy to do in church because we got this whole thing where it's like you got to like blend in with how everybody is. And you know what? It's better for you not to give lip service and sit down and be absolutely quiet and have the right heart heart before the Lord than to be jumping, hooping and hollering and be completely uh, in sin. <laughs> Come on, someone. Well, mm-hmm. it's interesting that Abel's name means son of Adam emptiness Uh, it also means, um, it it has to do with, with being like snuffed out and that actually Abel's life was snuffed from his brother Cain. That's real interesting. And so we got to be real careful that we don't come before the Lord with our own, uh, pre described terms. Like, it's like, okay, God, you do this, 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 I'll do this, this, and this. (laughs) No friends, we come before the Lord and just yield ourselves to him and say, okay, God, I I'm, I'm yours. I do what you tell me to do. I'm not just going to do what you ask me to do when you don't, when you do this, that, and the other friends that, that, that heart, that's a heart check that we just need to uh, challenge today because i I, it seems like there are people who do that. Well, I'll do God. You do this. I'll do that. Well, God, if you don't do this, I won't do that. How about just give yourself before the Lord, say yes to him. Say, God, I'm going to do what you want me to do, and then let him. Because I'll tell you what, when the Lord directs you, I guarantee you his way is better than your way. 100% of the time. 100% of the time. You guys see it with me? Okay. And so for me, I kind of wonder if that's how Cain brought his offering before the Lord. If it was like, you know what, I'm going to just put something together. Okay, God, here it is. And then got angry when it wasn't accepted. But what happens when you come before the Lord with a right heart, right spirit, humility, uh, uh, being teachable? Friends, that's the thing we need to be is H-O-T. Humble, open, and teachable. You got to be hot, right? You, you can't be lukewarm. You got to live hot. H-O-T. That's, that's a Mike Todd quote. If you ever watch this, Mike Todd, thank you. That was awesome. I love that. So Micah spoke about such sacrifices in Micah chapter 6, verse 7 and 8. And it says this: go to the next scripture for me, please. It says, Will the Lord be pleased with a thousand rams, with ten thousands of rivers of oil? Shall I give my firstborn for my transgressions, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? He has told you, O man, what is good, and what does the Lord require? To do justice, to love kindness. To walk humbly. To do justice. To love kindness. To walk humbly. So if you want your life to be an acceptable sacrifice, because that's what we're called to do. Romans chapter 12, verse 1, it says, therefore, my, uh, my, uh, therefore, brethren, in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. So how do you do that? You don't do that by, by you know, laying at, at a piece of wood and putting yourself across and say, here's my body. No, you offer your body, you offer yourself to the Lord by doing justice, loving kindness, and walking in humility. Look at your neighbor and say, booyah. Booyah. God desires us to have a right attitude. And so this is why even... Jesus brings correction to the disciples and telling them that if you have an ought against your brother, that it's better to leave your sacrifice at the altar. You know, if you're coming up before the Lord, you're like, Lord, here's my gift to you. I'm giving you all this other stuff. And then, and realize, man, I'm not in right, man, me and my neighbor, we got into a, a fight and I haven't forgiven them. The Lord said, you know what? Leave all of that expensive stuff. Just leave that there. Go and make it right with your neighbor. Go and make it right with your brother. Then come back and give it. Because it's about the attitude of the heart, and it always will be. Amen? It's better to, be, to have a right attitude and to have a right attitude of the heart and, the, and your outward actions look minimal than to have all of this stuff you're showing everybody, all the stuff you're doing, and yet you don't have a right heart. Ooh, it's quiet up in this low church, ain't it? Cain and Abel, man, it's rough, right? Jude reads this, and this is what's crazy. Cain, the way that he, the way that he acted, the way that he responded, is uh, it's looked, it's actually uh, used as a way of of kind of telling us not to act like Cain. It says this in Jude chapter uh, one; There's only one chapter. <laughs> uh, it says in verse ten and eleven. Um, Talking about these people who are acting, they're not acting correctly. It says these people blaspheme all the things they don't understand. They are destroyed uh, by awe that they, like unreasonable animals, understand instinctively. Woe to them for, it says, they walk in the way of Cain. Abandon themselves for the sake of gain to Balaam's error and perish in Kor's rebellion. So Cain, not only was his gift, not only was his gift unacceptable before the Lord, but that whole, the way he lived his life, the way that he, uh, the way that he acted towards his brother, the way that he, uh, was seen before the Lord, it's caused that away. So there are going to be people that their life, that it's going to look like they, they love people, but really in all actuality, uh, it's called the way of Cain. That's crazy to think. That's crazy to think. It's crazy to me to think that, that the scripture says that God is going to separate his church and he calls them sheep and goats. and Both of them are going to be in the church together. Both of them are going to be living uh, life together and he's going to separate them. And some of them he's going to say, well done. And some of them he's going to say, depart from me. That's a scary scripture. You're going to have two brothers who live in the same house. One is accepted by the Lord and one is rejected because it's all about the attitude of, of the heart. Yet Cain had this choice. Again, God intervened in his great mercy. In verse 7, we see this. Can you put that uh, verse back up there one more time for me? Uh, verse 7 here. This is what it says. The next slide, buddy. It says, uh, you know, and he just, um, or not that, not uh, Micah 6-7, uh, uh, Genesis 4-7. Do I have that back up there? Yeah, thank you. God gives him this, this uh, opportunity to make himself right. God gives him this opportunity of redemption. God gives him this this opportunity for mercy. God gives him this opportunity to change himself and turn his life around. And friends, God has given each and every one of us an opportunity. And in his great mercy, he's probably given us multiple opportunities. Shoot, I look at my life and I look at all the opportunities he's given me. And yet, gives him clear and 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 a distinctive uh, instruction on exactly what to do. Now, we can't look at Cain and say, "Oh man, that dude was so bad. He killed his. He was such a villain. He killed his own his own brother. And man, he's about the worst person that was in the in the scripture." Because when we're looking down at that, do you know that you have that same ability inside of you to do the exact same thing? He said that sin is crouching at the door. I love how it says in the other translation, but you must master it. Friends, every single one of us has sin waiting at the door. Put up this picture. And what, I get this picture of like a lion or like a tiger and, um, and uh, like a, a, a predator that is like hiding in the corner, just kind of waiting for an opportunity to for us to slip up. And then sin is just ready to pounce on us. And maybe for you, maybe it's not you're going to kill your brother, but maybe it's you're going to cheat on your spouse. Maybe it's you're going to cheat on your taxes. Maybe it's, I don't know, you're going to do something really stupid. There's lots of stupid crap out there. But, I, you know, I just look at this and I look, you know, and whatever it is that, you know, that, that the enemy attacks you with. You know, it's like, the, it's like it's just waiting to have an opportunity to pounce on you. But the Bible says you have the ability to master it. God has given all of us the ability to say no to it. You know, God, I've seen God, uh, supernaturally, uh, set people who have addictions free, like instantaneously, like boom. And I've seen others struggle through that fight by them continuing, continuing to say no to it till eventually it no longer is a struggle. Now, shoot, I want it to happen, you know, instantaneously. Lord, yes. And when I pray for people, I pray that God breaks strongholds off people instantaneously. But what if, not, what if it's not one of those things where the Lord just lifts off you and then you're free from it? What if it's something where you've got to continually say no to it? This is where the fight, this is why, this is why um, uh, it's, it's, called, it's called to fight the good fight. Say, fight the good fight. The good fight isn't the fight. The, it's the fight of faith. It's the fight of your life. It's the fight to stay right. It's the fight that is with inside of you. It is the James chapter uh, 3 fight. Uh, the, the quarrel. The fighting. The bickering. That, that wants to have its way. It's the sin. It's the fight against sin and, and righteousness. It's the fight against your, your, um, uh, your, your spirit man and your, your, your flesh your carnal man, your carnal nature. And so so we gotta just kind of see this picture of this thing waiting to have us, waiting to pounce on us, waiting to, to have its way with us, and we gotta say no to it. Now the beautiful thing, not only is sin waiting, do you know that the Lord is waiting? Revelation chapter 3, verse 20. Jesus himself says, I stand at the door and knock. You have to let sin in. You open the door to it. The devil doesn't have dominion power over you where he overthrows you. God isn't given the devil that authority over you. You open the door to it. You crack the door. You're like, well, let me just see what this looks like. But also the Lord stands at the door. Whose door are you going to open today? Mm, well... I want to continually, every day, open the door for the Lord. Behold, I stand at the door not, and if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and eat with him and he with me. That's intimacy. It's communion. It's fellowship. It's being with the Lord. It's having him involved and engaged in your life. And, friends, when the Lord's in your life, when, when you actually have that, that intimacy and communion with him, then you know what? When you're, in, when you're in a situation where sin is at the door and it's ready to crouch, man, it's so much easier to say no to it when you know the Lord is there with you. Come on. The devil made me do it. No, he didn't. He wanted it. (laughs) I wanted it. Anytime I give in to sin, it's because I want it. You guys good? Right. What are we going to let to rule over our life? Will we allow sin to rule over our life or the Lord Jesus? Friends, if we allow sin to rule over us, to rule over our emotions, we'll find ourselves given into jealousy, rejection, anger, bitterness, unforgiveness. I mean, the list goes on and on and on and on. To the point where Cain gave into his sin enough that he was even willing to murder his own brother. There's an old saying It says, sin will take you farther than you want to go It'll keep you longer than you want to stay. It'll cost you more than you want to pay. Ooh, I don't know who said that, but man, that's good stuff. Or on the other hand, maybe we can find ourselves going through the motions, giving the Lord half-hearted worship, and then we will eventually find ourselves being like the Pharisees, offering lip service to the Lord, but not heart service. And you can blend right on in with the crowd, with everyone else, and they're singing Kumbaya, my Lord, and whatever else we're all singing together. (laughs) I don't know, I just said Kumbaya. And find ourselves just giving the Lord lip service. And so this is just kind of a challenge for us to uh, uh, just take a look at our own hearts and take a look at, at our own lives. And uh, uh, James chapter one through uh, thirteen through fifteen, it gives it talks about this progression of sin, and so a person who finds themselves in an addiction, it was a thought that turned into a desire, that turned into an action, and then the action turned into a repeated action. So when you find yourselves a slave to sin or a slave to something uh, that that you don't have. Power it has power over you when when the scripture talks about you can be a slave of righteousness or a slave of sin. Slave of sin is basically you've given yourself you've given this thing power over you and basically you don't have control over it. It could be your mouth, it could be anything. I mean, there's tons of things that people, you know, they they just they've opened the door and then boom, it's just there. And if we can stop it at the heart, if you can stop it when it's when it's a thought in your heart, that's why it says that we are to take every thought captive, then friends, you'll find yourselves not giving into that thing. Have you ever had that, have you ever had that, like that desire, like burning desire to do something you know you shouldn't do. And it's like right there. And you're like, and you got this fight and you're sitting there and you're fighting. And then you're like, okay, I tell this thing no. And you get, and you just tell that thing no. And then it just leaves. Anybody here ever had that happen? Okay. So four people have, so what have the rest of us done? (laughs) When you have that thought, you're just like, woohoo, yay, let's go. Like, (laughs) like I hope all of us at some point in our walk with the Lord has had that thing where it's right there and you're about to do it. But then you say no and it leaves and it lifts because it starts in the heart before it becomes an action, right? Are you guys here with me? Okay, because some of you guys are looking at me like, what's this dude talking about? (laughs) And this is what's so scary, friends. Cain. He was cast out of the garden. He was cast away from his family. And then he had a mark on his head. So this is the thing, friends. If we give into our sinful nature, it can ruin our future and our legacy. It can ruin your future. I mean, there's some people, think about this. You can ruin in 25, in 25 minutes what took 25 years to build. You can ruin in 25, in 25 minutes a marriage that was built for 25 years. You can ruin in 25 minutes a ministry that was built for 25 years. You can ruin uh, you know you making an unlawful business transaction in 25 minutes and you ruined what you built for 25 years. And so this is just kind of a heart check. And so when we're talking about keeping it real, that's a there's nothing more real than the Lord check in our heart. There's nothing more real than the Lord than you uh, asking God, search me, O God, know me, Lord. See if there's any wicked thing inside of me. And if there is, show me and I want to give it over to you. I'll tell you what, that should be, it should be a prayer. Uh, a, uh, it should be a prayer that you pray on a daily basis or even on a daily basis, at least, um, you know, it should, it should be a part of your prayer life that, that you're asking the Lord to check you. Because if you're not asking the Lord to check your heart, then then where is your heart? Because the Bible says that the heart is deceitfully wicked Above all who can master it, well, the Lord can master it if you give it over to him. And so as we uh, kind of move into a close here, I just want us to just take a moment and just, just direct our, our attention to, uh, to the Lord and just asking him, God, is there anything in my life that, that one, it, it, it needs to be dealt with immediately because I'm, I could be on the brink of doing something that could ruin my future? Or secondly, God, have I been the type that I'm just honoring you with my lips, but yet, man, my heart is far from you. My, my heart is, is, is full of all these other things. Or perhaps, or perhaps you're like the Pharisees where you look down on people and, and, you know, you wouldn't think that. You wouldn't say that with your mouth. But when you actually look, you're like, you know what, that is something. That's a heart check issue I need to check. Let's pray bless you lord I don't want this uh, series just to be about keeping it real I want it to be about us getting real getting real with the lord because we're going to see in scripture we're going to see people who had issues we're going to see major mistakes that were ha- that happened we're going to see people who were put in positions where they actually made the right choices You have Joseph who was grabbed by a woman who was in his wife and he ran away from that. He made the right choice. And then you have Samson who was put in the same situation and he gave into it. So we're just gonna see some of these things in scripture when we're talking about real people and their real problems. And we need a real savior. Father, so we just come before you right now in the name of Jesus and God, I know as Pastor Joy said, God, there isn't a person in here that's perfect and God, you haven't asked us to be perfect. There was only one perfect person And that was Christ, that was Jesus, that was you who paid the penalty for for our sin. And so, God, we thank you that, Lord, you aren't calling us to live a perfect life, but, God, you're calling us to live a humble life. And, Lord, I pray that, Father, that if any way in our hearts we're not in right standing with you, I pray that this moment, that this moment would be the moment that we say, Okay, God, I'm done being fake. I'm done playing games. I'm done going through the motions. I'm done acting like I have it all together. I'm done putting on a fake face. I'm becoming real with you, God. And I don't care what other people say. I don't care what other people think. Lord, I want to be in right standing with you. And I want I want you to do in my heart whatever it takes for that to happen. So I just repent right now. Just whatever that is, can you just take a moment where where you're sitting, where you're uh, if you're if you're tuned in uh, through the internet, right where you're at? Would you just make an altar before the Lord, and would you just offer yourself to Him and offer your life to Him again, and offer your heart and say, God, would you would you just search me? Would you show me areas of my heart that aren't right with you, God? Maybe there's unforgiveness. Maybe there's bitterness. Maybe there's jealousy. Maybe there's anger and resentment. Maybe maybe there's there's some other sin issue that you are constantly giving yourself over to. And so, friends, this message and this prayer isn't meant to beat you up, but it's meant for us to come to a place of repentance before our Father and say, God, here am I. I lay myself again at the altar. And I choose you, God. I choose you over sin. God, I choose you over my sinful nature. God, I choose you over uh, the areas of my life that want to, God, dominate and dictate my life that I would live for you. God, I don't want to screw up and mess up my family by me giving into a moment of sin and ruining everything that you've built in my life. Guard my heart, God. Spirit, we just thank you. We just invite you. I just sense the presence of the Lord in this place. Man, the Lord, he draws near to, to brokenness. So just as you come before him humbly. Thank you, Father. Help us, God. Help us to be humble, God. Help us to be open and honest. Honesty is the best policy. And help us to be teachable, Lord. Let us remain teachable and humble. Help us to fear God and shun evil. Not to shun people, but to shun evil. It means turn our back from it. Turn our our back from the evil that wants to have its way inside of our hearts. Because God, I know you're coming back for a bride who is without blemish or spot or wrinkle. And God, you've called us to prepare your bride and make her ready because you're coming soon. So, Lord, again, we say, here we are. We love you. There is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus who do not walk according to the flesh but according to the Spirit. So we rebuke condemnation and shame and guilt. In Jesus' name, (laughs) May the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you. May the Lord be gracious unto you. May the Lord turn his face towards you. And may he give you peace. In Jesus' name, the Lord's favor be upon you, friends. God bless you. Have a great weekend. We love you. Make it count. God bless.